0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four volume, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you would like to get your own four volumes, you can head over to Tan Books. And when you use the code podcast15 at checkout, you'll save 15% off. And if you'd like to discuss our readings today, Head over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you can interact with other readers, listeners, and followers. Today is day number 84, and we are reading from chapter 21. We are going to begin at paragraph 742 and read the chapter in its entirety, reading through 754. Chapter 21. The Most High commands the Most Holy Mary to enter the state of matrimony, and her response to this command. 742. At the age of thirteen and a half years, having grown considerably for her age, our most charming princess, most pure Mary, had another abstractive vision of the divinity of the same order, and kind as those already described. In this vision we might say happened something similar to that which the Holy Scriptures relate of Abraham, when God commanded him to sacrifice his beloved son Isaac, the only pledge of all his hopes, God tempted Abraham, says Moses, Genesis twelve two, trying and probing the promptness of his obedience in order to reward it. We can say the same thing of the great lady, that God tried her in this vision by commanding her to enter the state of matrimony. Thence we can also understand the truth of the words. How inscrutable are the judgments of the Lord, and how exalted are his ways and thoughts above our own. Romans eleven thirty three. As distant as heaven is from earth were the thoughts of Most Holy Mary from the plans which the Most High now made known to her, by commanding her to accept a husband for her protection and company. For as far as depended upon her will, she had desired and resolved during all her life not to have a husband. See paragraph numbers 433 and 586 previously read, And she had often repeated and renewed that vow of chastity, which she had taken at such a premature age. 7.43 As already mentioned, the Lord had celebrated His solemn espousal with the Princess Mary. 4.35 When she was brought to the temple, confirming and approving her vow of chastity and solemnizing it by the presence of the glorious host of angels, The most innocent dove had withdrawn herself from all human intercourse, relinquishing entirely all that might be called worldly interest and attention, or love and desire of creatures. She was altogether taken up and transformed by the pure and chaste love of the highest good, which never fails, knowing that she would be only more chaste in its love, more pure in its contact, and more virginal in its acceptance. When, therefore, without any other explanation, the command of the Lord reached her— that she now accept an earthly spouse and husband, what surprise and astonishment was it to this heavenly maid, who, in her fixed confidence, was living so secure in the possession of God himself as her spouse, and who now heard from him such a command. Greater was this trial than that of Abraham, Genesis 22, one etc., for he did not love Isaac in the same degree as most holy Mary loved in violent chastity. 7.44 Nevertheless, at this unexpected command, the most prudent virgin suspended her judgment and preserved the calmness of her hope and belief more perfectly than Abraham. Hoping against hope, Romans 4.18, she made answer to the Lord, saying, Eternal God and incomprehensible majesty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things contained therein, Thou, O Lord, who weigh'st the winds, Job 28.25, and by Thy command settest bounds to the sea and subjectest all creatures to Thy will canst dispose of me thy worthless wormlet according to thy pleasure, without making me fail in that which I have promised to thee. And if it be not displeasing to thee, my good Lord, I confirm and ratify anew my desire to remain chaste during all my life and to have thee for my Lord and spouse. And since my only duty as a creature is to obey thee and see thou to it, my spouse, that according to thy providence I may escape from this predicament in which thy holy love places me. There was, however, some uneasiness in the most chaste maiden Mary, as far as her inferior nature was concerned, just as happened afterwards at the message of the archangel Gabriel, Luke 1.8. Yet, though she felt some sadness, it did not hinder her from practicing the most heroic obedience, which until then had fallen to her lot. And she resigned herself entirely into the hand of the Lord. His majesty answered her, Mary... Let not thy heart be disturbed, for thy resignation is acceptable to me, and my powerful arm is not subject to laws by my disposition that will happen, which is most proper for thee. 7.45 Consoled only by this vague promise of the Lord, Most Holy Mary recovered from her vision and returned to her ordinary state. Left between doubt and hope by the divine command and promise, She was full of solicitude, for the Lord intended that she should multiply her tearful sentiments of love and confidence, of faith, humility, of obedience, of purest chastity, and of other virtues impossible to enumerate. In the meantime, while Our Lady applied herself to vigilant prayer and to her resigned and prudent sighs and solicitude, God spoke in sleep to the high priest, St. Simeon, and commanded him to arrange for the marriage of Mary, the daughter of Joachim and Anne, of Nazareth, since he regarded her with special care and love. The holy priest answered, asking, What was his will in regard to the person whom the maiden Mary was to marry, and to whom she was to give herself as spouse? The Lord instructed him to call together the other priests and learned persons, and to tell them that this maiden was left alone, and an orphan, and that she did not desire to be married, but that, as it was a custom for the firstborn maidens not to leave the temple without being provided for, it was proper she should be married to whomever it seemed good to them. 7.46 The high priest obeyed the divine order, and having called together the other priests, he made known to them the will of the Most High, informing them of the favor in which his majesty held this maiden, Mary of Nazareth, according as it had been revealed to him. He told them that as she was an inmate of the temple, and was now without parents, it was their duty to provide her, and find a husband worthy of a maiden so modest, virtuous, and of such impeachable conduct as was hers in the temple. Moreover, as Mary was of noble lineage, and as her property and other considerations made this marriage particularly important, it was necessary to consider well to whom she was to be entrusted." He added also that Mary of Nazareth did not desire to be married, but that, at the same time, it would not be proper to dismiss her from the temple unmarried, since she was an orphan and a firstborn daughter. 7.47 Having conferred about this matter among themselves, the priests and learned men moved by divine impulse concluded that in a matter where so much was involved and where the Lord Himself had favorably interfered, it would be best to inquire farther into His holy will and to ask Him to designate in some manner who should be the most appropriate person to be the spouse of Mary. Knowing that her spouse must be of the house and of the race of David, in order to comply with the law, they appointed a day on which all the free and unmarried men of that race, who then might be in Jerusalem, were to be called together in the temple. It happened to be the very day on which our princess completed her fourteenth year. As it was necessary to notify her of the result of their conference and to ask her consent, the high priest Simeon called her and informed her of their intention to give her a spouse before dismissing her from the temple. 748. The most prudent virgin, with a countenance betokening virginal modesty, answered the priest with great composure and humility. Sir, as far as my inclinations are concerned, I desire to preserve perpetual chastity during all my life, for I wish to dedicate myself to God in the service of this holy temple, in return for the great blessings which I have received in it. I never had the intention or the desire to enter the state of matrimony, since I consider myself incapable of fulfilling the duties connected with it. This was my inclination. But thou, my master, who art to me in my place of God, wilt teach me what is according to his holy will." My daughter, answered the priest, thy holy desires are acceptable to the Lord. But remember that no maiden of Israel abstains from marriage as long as we expect the coming of the Messiah comfortably to the divine prophecies. Therefore, all who obtain issue of children among our people esteem themselves happy and blessed. In the matrimonial state, thou canst serve God truly and in great perfection, And in order that thou mayest obtain a companion according to the heart of God, and who will be conformable to thy wishes, we will pray to the Lord, as I have told thee, asking him to single out a husband for thee, who shall be pleasing to him, and the line of David. Do thou also pray continually for the same favor, in order that the Most High may favor thee, and may direct us all. 7.49 This happened nine days before the one appointed for the execution and realization of their resolve. During this time, the Most Holy Virgin multiplied her prayers, beseeching the Lord with incessant tears and sighs to fulfill his divine pleasure and that which she had so much at heart. On one of those nine days, the Lord appeared to her and said to her, My spouse and my dove, let thy afflicted heart expand, and let it not be disturbed or sad. I will attend to thy yearnings and to thy requests. I will direct all things and will govern the priests by my enlightenment. I will give thee a spouse selected by myself and one who will put no hindrance to thy holy desires, but who by my grace will prosper thee in them. I will find for thee a perfect man conformable to my heart, and I will choose him from the number of my servants. My power is infinite, and my protection and aid shall never fail thee. 7.50 The Most Holy Mary, answering, said, Highest good and love of my soul, thou well knowest the secret of my bosom and my desires, which thou hast excited in me from the first moments of the existence received from thee. Preserve me, then, my spouse, pure and chaste, as I have desired for thee. And through thee do not despise my size, and deprive me not of my countenance. Remember, my Lord and God, that I am but a useless wormlet, weak and despicable, on account of my insignificance. And if I should fall away from the virtue and the state of matrimony, I shall disappoint thee in my desires. Provide thou for my security, and be not deterred by my demerits. Although I am but useless dust, Genesis 18.27, I will call on the greatness, O Lord, trusting in thy infinite mercies. 7.51 The most chaste maiden also approached her holy angels, whom she surpassed in sanctity and purity, and conferred with them many times concerning her anxieties in regard to the new state, Which she was expected to enter, one day the Holy Spirit said to her, "Spouse of the Most High, since thou canst not ignore this title, nor much less the love which He, who is Almighty and Unfailing in His Truth, has shown thee, let thy heart, O Mistress, be at peace. For sooner will the heavens and the earth fail than the fulfilment of His promises." Matthew twenty four twenty seven. All the events of thy life succeed each other according to the foreknowledge of thy spouse and His powerful arm, which governs the elements and all creatures can suspend the forces of the impetuous waves, and temper the vehemence of the elements, so that neither fire will burn nor the earth show its weight. His high judgments are secret and holy. His decrees are most just and wonderful, nor can creatures comprehend them, though they may revere them. If His Majesty wishes that thou serve him in matrimony, it will be better for thee to please him therein than to displease him in some other state of life. He will no doubt provide for thee the most holy and perfect trust, thou securely in his promises. This advice of the angels quieted somewhat the anxieties of our princess. She asked them anew for protection and assistance, and that they present to the Lord in her name her entire subjection to that which his divine pleasure should ordain in her regard. Instruction given to me by the princess of heaven. 752. My dearest daughter, most high and venerable are the judgments of the Lord. And they should not be scrutinized by mortals, since they are impenetrable. His Majesty commanded me to enter the state of matrimony, and at that same time concealed from me the sacrament dependent upon entering it. Matrimony was required in order that my parturition might be respectable in the eyes of the world, that the word made incarnate in my womb might be reputed as the son of my husband, since at the same time the world was to remain ignorant of this mystery." It was also a suitable means to conceal this mystery from Lucifer and the demons, who in such rage were bent on wrecking their fury upon me. When they saw me enter the married state as other women, their fury was appeased, not thinking it compatible that she should have a husband who was to be the mother of God himself. Lucifer himself was somewhat quieted by this means, And made a truce with his malice. The Lord had also other ends in view, which have become manifest, although on account of circumstances they were hidden to me at that period of my life. 7.53 I wish thee to understand, my daughter, that the certain prospect of being espoused to any man, without at the same time knowing the mystery concealed from me by the Lord, was the greatest sorrow and affliction which until then I had ever experienced. If the divine power had not strengthened me in this pain and had not given me some kind of confidence, although it was only obscure and undetermined, I would have lost my life in this suffering. But from this event thou shouldst learn how complete must be the resignation of the creature to the will of the Most High, and how it must restrict its short-sighted judgment and guard against scrutinizing the secrets of a majesty so exalted and mysterious. If any danger or difficulty seems to present itself in that which the Lord commands, let man confide in him and firmly believe that he was not placed therein in order to be forsaken, but in order that he may come forth victorious and triumphant if he cooperates on his own part with the assistance given by the Lord. Whenever the soul seeks to scrutinize the decrees of his wisdom and satisfy itself before it obeys and believes, let it be convinced that it defrauds the creator of its glory and honor and at the same time loses for itself the merit of its works. 7.54 I was aware that God is superior to all creatures, and that he had no need of our foresight, for he only seeks only the subjection of our own will, since the creature cannot give him counsel, but only obedience and praise. And although on account of not knowing what he wished of me and ordained for me in the state of matrimony, the love which I had for chastity caused me much affliction, Yet that grievous sorrow did not make me curious and inquisitive, but served to make my obedience more excellent and pleasing in his eyes. By this example thou thyself must regulate the subjection to that which thou perceivest, to be according to the pleasure of the Lord thy spouse, resigning thyself entirely to his protection and confiding in the firmness of his promises. And wherever thou hast the approbation of thy priests and superiors, Allow thyself to be governed without any resistance to their commands and to the divine aspirations. This concludes our reading today from the mystical city of God for day 84. Today we read chapter 21 in its entirety, paragraphs 742 to 754. Today's reading was very interesting, I thought at least. In it, I learned about the life of the temple virgins. Of course, we know that Mary was presented in the temple. We've already read that. But then I knew that Mary at a certain age would matriculate out of the temple. That's what we believe. But we hear today how God tells her that she is going to marry St. Joseph. But even more so, what I learned here today was about some of the regulations of these temple virgins. Mary has lost her father and her mother, so that makes her an orphan, as we heard. And then she was the firstborn, and so she needed to be given away in marriage. That's one of the rules of the temple virgins as they age out of the temple. And why was that? It was a custom for the firstborn maidens not to leave the temple without being provided for. It was proper she should be married to whomever it seemed good to them. And we think about St. Joseph and we call him a provider for the Holy Family, and truly that was who he was for the Blessed Virgin Mary. He was her provider. It's possible there may have been some sort of dowry that Joachim and Anne had given to Mary. Joseph, who is going to be selected out of all of the men who come, is going to provide for the Blessed Mother. Mary is a bit troubled by this, only because, as we've read earlier, she vowed her life to virginity. And so here she is, God is asking her to do something that she... Doesn't understand. Why would I get married if I vowed my life to virginity? But what does she do? She prays for nine days. She prays a novena. And then what does she do? She talks to the angels and asks the angels to help her, especially to help the situation in which they select her spouse. So she turns to prayer. I think sometimes in our life, when we have those difficult decisions we need to make, we can do what Mary did. We can pray that novena. We can pray for nine days, asking for direction and for enlightenment from Almighty God. And then we heard in the instruction that Mary gave, she explains, well, this is why God had me become married. Because I'm going to give birth to the Savior of the world, and so matrimony was required in order that my parturition might be respectable in the eyes of the world, and that the word made incarnate in my womb might be reputed as the son of my husband, since at the same time the world was to remain ignorant of this mystery. Remember Mary's prayer from yesterday's reading, "'Behold, I am the servant of the Lord.' Let it be done to me according to your word. That's what she says at the Annunciation. That's a variation of that prayer that she prayed yesterday at the end of our reading. And so as she says that, behold, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. Well, this is what the Lord is saying to her. And she doesn't understand it in that moment, but she understands it then later. Oh, this is why you wanted this. I have remained ever virgin, but this is to present my child in a way that isn't scandalous to the world. Always realize that if God is asking you to do something and you might not understand it, but you truly believe it to be the will of God, that you'll come to know in time the very reason God asked you, why God called you to do whatever that was. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.